book of the Revelation and chapter 10. And we may read from verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer and especially the words at the end of this verse that there should be time no longer <clears throat> now this book of the revelation given to John uh, we perhaps know that the word in the Greek means the unveiling as though God is unveiling things to the church that this book in its form in its symbolism in its purpose and meaning is an exceptionally beautiful book it's beyond description because where in all literature can we find anything that excels the majestic descriptions of Christ in this book where can we find it where can we find anything in literature that excels that description of Christ walking in the midst of the golden lampstands where can we find any, in any other literature things like the throne of God in heaven or Christ coming out as a true and faithful witness riding upon that white horse to conquer it doesn't matter what literature we would go to I don't think we could find anything as beautiful and uh, as majestic as this book this book of the revelation and uh, what a contrast it makes between the doom of Babylon and the joy of Jerusalem above it's a book which unveils these things to the church and this great vision was given to John on the Isle of Patmos he was given the last book in the Bible and it was to be the last book till the end of time and this last book speaks of the triumph of the Church of Christ it tells us that at the end of it all through all these great upheavals at the end of it all that Christ is a conqueror Christ conquers and this book has a wealth of comfort for all the children of God it was comforting to John on the island of Patmos even in his dark days and this book gives us a great insight into the future but above all I think that this book unveils the wondrous love of God for the church for his own church in this world that through it all is going to preserve his people is going to bring the church safely through every difficulty every trial every danger they're going to all every one of them the whole church of Christ will be brought eventually into glory and they'll all be safe and glorious now in this chapter we read of an angel coming and uh, the description we have of this angel reveals to us one who's yeah, a glorious and most commentators believe that this angel refers to the mediator himself 
our Lord Jesus Christ. Most commentators believe this, and this is their opinion, that uh, he is the angel of the covenant of grace, the great messenger of the covenant of grace. And that because of the description we have here, that he came down from heaven clothed with a cloud, clothed with a cloud. In the, in the psalm we were singing, we read of clouds of darkness being round about him, he's symbolizing his judgment and his providence. We read that his face was as the sun. That speaks of the excellency of his glory. We read of his feet being like pillars of brass, speaking of the steadfastness and the sureness and the, the, the holiness of all that he does, that his scepter is a scepter of righteousness in everything that he does. And we see that a rainbow on his head, like a diadem, and that speaks of the covenant faithfulness of Christ. Remember the rainbow which God tells us to put in the sky as a covenant after the flood. Well, the rainbow signifies God's mercy and his faithfulness. And we have this rainbow on the head of this person, like a diadem, like a crown. And the description certainly seems to speak of Christ in this uh, picture. But <clears throat> we see he appears to be the angel of God's presence to whom, in whom is the name of God. Now we read that this angel was come down from heaven and whenever God is going to say something great or do some great thing, we, we so often read as though God came down God came down. And the, the book that we had in his hand, that came down from heaven. This angel came down from heaven. Christ came from God. And he, he came as the mediator of the covenant. But we see that he appears to be like a giant with one foot firmly planted on the earth and the other foot far out in the ocean like a huge giant who could take a stride right across the ocean. Why is he represented as standing with one foot on the earth, one foot in the ocean? Why do we read that he spoke and that his voice was like the roaring of a lion? It's because what he was saying concerns the whole universe. What he was saying concerns the whole universe. And what he says must be heard by all. It will be heard by all one day, whatever he has said. But we see then that uh, he had this book in his hand and he tells us that there'll be no more, that time shall be no longer. Well, this little book was no doubt, when we read the book of Psalms, we see in Psalm 119, we read that but the psalmist said, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. It seems to refer to the, the word of God, to the scriptures. And we should be thankful tonight that it's a little book God has given to us. The Bible, people may complain about it, but in reality, it isn't a, a huge book. It's a book that can be read by anyone. We should be thankful tonight it, that it doesn't require us to read uh, huge volumes of books, a library of books, that he has put all this into one book, 
Oh, that his plan of salvation, his way of salvation, and the work that Christ has done, that he has given it to us in a little book, in a little book. And this book came from heaven. The word of God isn't just the work of men. God used men. The Holy Spirit used men. But all that's in this book which we have here tonight in our hands, it's from God himself. It's from heaven. The book came from above. It's from heaven. And we see that in another part of this chapter that John was required to eat the book, digest this book, and then in his mouth it was sweet, but in his belly it was bitter. That's the way the word of God is to his people in their experience. Some, <clears throat> sometimes when they read it, they get the sweetness out of the book. It's sweet to them. When they read of the love of Christ, it's sweet. But there are, there are other things there in their experience if they digest it and it's bitter to them. It tells them that they are guilty sinners. It brings conviction of sin and that's bitter in their belly. But that's the kind of book it is. It is bittersweet. And it's bittersweet in this way that it tells us of the glorious Savior. It tells us that if we follow him, we must take up the cross and follow him. That if we believe in Christ, we will follow him. And that, that will mean, in a certain sense, perhaps loss, perhaps persecution, and many other things in this world. But the book is bittersweet to his people. And it's certainly sweet. It, it brings home to us our guilt and our sin, and that's bitter to us. But the book is sweet when we see what Christ has done, when we read of the love of God, when we read of the great atoning sacrifice of Christ. This little book is to be open. It's an open book, not just an ornament. I remember meeting someone in the mainland there, and I think he still does it, who carries a Bible about in his car. He thinks that if he carries the Bible in his car, he won't crash, that God will be with him. He doesn't read his Bible very much, but he thinks just having a book there will be like a charm to him. But that isn't the way we must use the Word of God, not like an ornament in our homes. It must be an open book, a book that we read, a book not which we just, like a morsel, put in our mouths and roll about for a little while, then spit it out. It's a book that we must digest, take into our heart, into our soul. It will be bitter. But the book will be sweet to those who digested the word of God, that little book which has given to us. The world despises it. The world thinks little of the Bible today. The world mocks the Bible. It's certainly a little book in the eyes of the world today. But what authority is in this book? It is the word of God, the word of God. And we should be grateful to God tonight that he has given this little book to us. We should be grateful to the great mediator of the covenant that in his providence we have this little book in our hands tonight before us, telling us of God and of the covenant of grace, telling us of our own guilt and our sin, and telling us of the love of Christ, telling us of all these things, this little book which he has given to us. Well, we see that the, the, 
Luke was given to the people and then the, the, the mediator of a covenant with, among other things gives these words he swears that time shall be no longer now some commentators believe that this means there will be no more delay the word chronos in the Greek it means time it can also mean a little space of time but some people use it that way they say there will be no more delay till the last judgment comes till the seventh trumpet will be sounded well we've no doubt whatever way we use it it comes to the same thing time shall be no longer time shall be no longer well <clears throat> there's one sense in which time shall be no longer it may refer to the end of the world it may refer to the end of all history when this world all the glories of this world are going to be wrapped up all the glories and all the, the business of the world will be finished and the sentence will go out time shall be no longer time is finished and now it's only eternity it's eternity uh, we see that some people have tried to judge when the end of the world would be so it's uh, an unprofitable uh, searching this because the word of God tells us that no man knows that time the word certainly tells us that we can sort of judge or discern when the world is nearing that time our Lord tells us that but he tells us of the actual time the year the day the moment when this world will come to an end no man in this world knows it but this is sure time is coming to an end the world is going to come to an end it has been fixed the world is coming to an end there was one monk a benedictine monk Bede in the 7th and 8th century and he calculated that the world would come to an end about 1834 I don't know how he calculated that but that's the date he gave when the world would come to an end but we see that it didn't come to an end then the Jehovah Witnesses they predicted that the world was coming to an end that Christ was coming in 1914 they even prepared a house for him they did many other things for him and when he didn't appear they said he, it was an invisible appearance and that he was in this world from 1914 to 1918 but what does the word of God say? the word of God tells us when Christ comes every eye shall see him every eye shall see him it won't be an invisible coming again the Jehovah Witnesses more recently they predicted that the end of the world would come in 1975 1975 and we are here now at the end of 1989 no one can tell when the end will come but this we do know that time shall be no longer that it's coming the end of the world the end of things as we know it in this world it will come but we needn't even think of the end of the world these words may be applied to each one of us personally because when our day comes when we we're going to leave this world the moment we leave this world 
as far as we are concerned, time is no longer. It's no longer time for us. It's eternity. Time shall be no longer. And <clears throat> eternity will come upon each one of us all at once. It'll come very suddenly, in a moment. It will be no longer time, but eternity. Now I know that this is a solemn matter, and at the end of another year, people rejoice and things that at a new year, but I think we should think of what it means coming to the end of another year in our lives. It should remind us that just as surely as this year is coming to an end, just as surely as when midnight comes, if it comes, and 1989 has gone, and we enter another year, just as surely as that, in your experience and in my experience, time shall be no longer. Time shall be no longer. You can look at the clock, but remember this, time shall be no longer. It's coming for each one of us. We may close our eyes on this matter. We may forget about it. We may be careless about it. But we're going to open our eyes. We're going to have to face it. And it's better to face it now. That time will be no longer for each one of us. We're on the way to eternity. On the way to eternity. Now, time is, is a difficult thing to describe. I don't know if anyone can really describe it. There are so many people who have tried to describe what time is. I think Hodge tells, says that it's a part of our existence, that part of our existence which we pass in this world. That's what he calls time. Other people call it a process. It isn't just the clock going round. The clock only measures time. It only measures time. But we know this, it is our existence in this world and it's passing. It will pass very swiftly. Now, <clears throat> time doesn't change in, in its speed or vary in any way. Time goes on ceaselessly. It's irrevocable. It carries on. In our experience, in our consciousness, time may vary. We may feel it at some part of it long. We may feel another part short. But time doesn't grow shorter or longer. Time just carries on. I don't know if anyone has ever been in a ship going down a river. And there you stand there and see the things going past on the banks of the river. And you stand in a ship going down with the current. And you feel as though you are stationary. And everything else is passing. passing. It's an illusion. An illusion. But that's the way we are in this world. We feel as though we are standing still and it's other things that are passing by us. But all the time, we are in this river being born on the way to that great ocean, on the way to eternity, on the way to eternity. Time doesn't stand still. Time is going to carry each one of us until we reach this point where it will be said about us, time shall be no longer. Time shall be no longer. And <clears throat> some people feel time long, but 
like the artist, an old artist, he made a painting of what he, what he thought of time. And in that painting, it was the sun shining and darkness on the other side of the painting. And a chariot there with a person in it and four wild horses pulling him relentlessly towards the darkness, towards the night, even while the sun was shining. That's the way he saw time. And that's the way it is. Time is what God has given to us in this world. A part of the, our existence which has given to us in this world. And it goes past very quickly. The word of God tells us, it gives a description of it. It says that time is short. The time is short. And it's compared to a weaver's shuttle going back and forward. Like a vapor that appears for a moment uncertain and then vanishes away compared to a handbreadth swifter than the eagle time will pass very quickly and a great portion of our time has passed already a great portion of our time has already passed now the time for this world is running out the shadows are lengthening it's almost 2,000 years since Christ died and rose again from the dead. We don't know when the end of the world will be, but we know this, that time is running out for this old world. And not only is it running out for the world, my friend here tonight, at the end of another year, time is running out for you and for me. Time is running out. And the sentence will come soon for each one of us. Time shall be no longer. Time shall be no longer. And we see then at the end of another year <clears throat> it should remind us of this. And I feel that every believer, every child of God, at the end of their days, if we're given time to think about it, that at the end of our days we'll have a, a certain sorrow. It will be this how little we have done for Christ. And our great joy at that time will be this, how much he has done for us. How much he has done for us. That's the way we would feel if we came to our last moments thinking upon our past life. How little we have done in serving our Lord and our Master. How short we have come in every way. How unfaithful we have been. How many things we could have done and we didn't do it. And the opportunities are all past, they're past. To serve him in a way that we cannot serve him in eternity. To serve him in, in this world, in time. Well, we see that uh, the sands of, of time, they're sinking. That hourglass given to us, the, the sand is flowing all the time. The sand is flowing and flowing. And the last grain will f fall in the hourglass and time shall be no longer that will be the experience of each one of us your experience and my experience and you cannot escape it and my friend open your eyes if you're still out of Christ open your eyes and face eternity don't put it out of your mind but face it tonight the believer has faced eternity. Every believer has faced it. 
the great eternity that is before us. But people out of Christ, they don't want to see it. They don't want to think about it. They don't want, to, they don't want it to, to mar and to spoil their enjoyment. But the wisest thing for each one of us is this, to pray to God to open your eyes so that you will face the great eternity that is ahead of us. Now, we can't stop time. And uh, Queen Elizabeth in England at one time, she was one of the great fashion leaders in Europe during her day. And she was proud of it. And yet, when it came to her deathbed, and she realized she was dying, she had tried to get some scientists to find an elixir of life. But of course, they couldn't find that. But then she was crying out a parent on her deathbed, half my kingdom for a little more time. But it couldn't be given to her. Her time had run out. Her time had run out. Time shall be no longer. Time shall be no longer. And when this point comes, the greatest doctor in the world cannot help us. When this moment comes, the greatest physician can't stop us from going. Our friends can't prevent us. Our loved ones can't prevent us. They can't hold us back. When this moment comes, when time shall be no longer, no one can prevent it. And whether we are ready or not, God won't ask us that. Time, death won't ask us that. It will be, time shall be no longer, ready or not ready. The sentence will come, the moment will come, when time shall be no longer. And if God said, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, we could go to our bed as healthy as, as we were ever were. We could go to our bed and sleep as sound as we ever slept. But if God said that about us tonight, tonight that your soul shall be required of you, we would never see the light of the morning. We'll never see the light of the morning. And my friend here tonight, God hasn't promised any, any one of us another year. He hasn't promised you a year, and he hasn't promised me a year, not even a day. He hasn't even promised you that you will see the beginning of another year. He hasn't promised it to any of us. It will be no longer. Time shall be no longer. It will be an end of all the, the present things, and all our earthly connections will be dissolved. All our plans will be broken, and all our opportunities for spiritual improvement will be gone forever. Now some people tell us that we are on probation in this world, but we are not on probation. That's the idea many people have, that if we are good, God will take us to heaven. So our probation has gone. We were on probation in Adam. Adam fell. Man's probation is past. We are lost sinners. We are guilty sinners. We are by nature on the way to a lost eternity. By nature we are on the way to hell. That's our position in this world. We are no longer on probation. We are lost and guilty sinners. But the good news of the gospel is this. In this little book, the sweetness of this book is this. That Christ came into the world to save sinners. That he came into the world 
the just to suffer in the room and place of the unjust. He came into the world to make himself a propitiation for our sin and our guilt. And that if we believe in him, if we receive him and embrace him as our Savior, that will be saved. And when the day comes when time shall be no longer, that will be a glorious day for a believer. A glorious day. We, we read that <clears throat> the day of their death will be better than the day of their life, the day of their birth. But remember that uh, not only do believers enter into eternity, not only are believers going to exchange worlds, but the unbeliever will also exchange worlds. The Word of God says, Our God is a consuming fire. It means that the moment a soul leaves this world unforgiven, out of Christ, they're going to meet with the flaming purity of God's presence, the character of God. They're going to meet it when time shall be no longer. <clears throat> we may have different feelings about time, how it's passing. When we were young, we felt it a little longer. As we're getting older, Time passes, we feel it passing more quickly. It's not that time changes, but our consciousness of time alters, it varies. That's what it is. And I read a little poem today about time, and I think I'll just read it out here. When I was a child, I laughed and wept, time crept. When as I used, I dreamt and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, Time ran, when older still I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall find in travelling on, time gone, and face eternity begun, time done. That's the way we'll find it, in all these various stages of our lives. But yet, when this sentence is passed, it means now eternity. Eternity begun. Now, eternity is there all the time. Some people compare time to a little island in the ocean. It's surrounded by the ocean. That's the way time is. It's surrounded by eternity. There was eternity there before there was such a thing as time. Time had a beginning. Time will have an end. Eternity was there before time. Eternity is still there tonight. Eternity will be there when time is gone. Eternity will be there always. But remember what the Word of God teaches us. And when this sentence is passed, time shall be no longer. When God's, when, when this sentence is passed against each one of us, it means that our moral character is fixed for all eternity. The way the tree falls, where it falls, that's where it shall lie. That's where the tree is going to lie. We read in the scriptures, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. The way it finds us, when that sentence is passed against us, that's going to be our position forever and ever and ever, if, when this sentence is passed. Now, we know that 
the word of God doesn't give us any reason to believe of any that there's any second chance for anyone. Once you've gone beyond this point, all possibility of change has gone. All possibility of any opportunity has gone. When, when we pass this point, time shall be no longer. Time shall be no longer. We read in the word of God, there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. In other words, there's no other opportunity. Our opportunity is in this world, and what must be done for eternity must be in this world. The great issues of eternity are in time, in this world. Now God has given to each one of us a great gift. He has given to each one of us time, but along with time, he has given to us the gospel, the invitation of the gospel. Our time is going, and if we don't embrace Christ in the gospel, in our time, then once time has gone, the gospel will be gone also. And <clears throat> young people here tonight, I know that you're promising yourselves more time. You're thinking, oh, what's ahead in the future? It's good to be optimistic. We're not against that in young people at all. But remember this, that Satan will try to cheat you of your soul. Satan will say, oh, there's Look at what's ahead of you in the world, giving you all these promises that you're going to get this and that and all that happiness and joy in the world. He's dangling this before you, trying to cheat your soul, trying to cheat your soul, cheat you out of Christ, cheat you out of heaven, so that you lose your soul. And how many of us listen to him for a while, but pray that God will open your eyes and that you'll see that Satan is a cheat that this world will pass away with the lust thereof. All the glitter and that brightness of the world will fade away. And these, these are the things that are real, the things that belong to eternity. The Duncan Matheson, the evangelist who was going around with the troops at one time, went to the dying bed of a soldier and he spoke to him once or twice. But then he heard that the man had died and he went to his body there on the bed, and he found a book beside the bed, a trashy book, and, and just the, the title was From Dreamland into Eternity, and that's the way it will be for many people, from dreamland into eternity. Oh, eternity is a dream tonight, but when this sentence is passed, time shall be no longer, this world will be the dream then. Not eternity. Eternity will be real. It will either be heaven in the bliss and joy of being with Christ forever, or else it will be the, the unutterable misery of being in hell forever and ever. That's what's going to be real very soon for each one of us, when time shall be no longer. And uh, we're going to exchange worlds. Now, the Christian in this world says, that now he knows in part, but then he's going to see, know him even as he is knowing. Then he's going to see Christ face to face, the one in whom he put his hope in this world, the one in, though he had never seen him, 
yet they believe in him and in believing they rejoice with joy unspeakable for the day is coming when they're going to actually meet with Christ face to face they're going to meet him face to face and in eternity when this moment comes there'll be no no cheating or pretending all that will be gone forever when the sentence is passed time shall be no longer time shall be no longer Voltaire that atheist he wasn't an atheist for very long Voltaire knows now whether there's a sin-hating God or not David Hume he knows now whether there's a hell or not these people who said these things in the world once they enter into eternity they meet with their God and there's no pretending no illusion no mistakes about it when they go into eternity and my friends open your eyes open your eyes because time is going past a great portion of your time is already going past another year of our lives have gone past and as that year if it has been a year in which we have begun to seek Christ it has been the greatest year in our lives if in that year we have gone through it Christless still unforgiven still without Christ it means it's another year full of sin full of iniquity added to, our, to, what, to meet us in eternity that's what it means another year of our lives gone past well we see that it tells us that the believer his time will end also in this world and our time the believer's time of trouble anxiety his times of uh, groaning because of his sin and these things that time will be no more all that will be gone for the believer but my friends out of Christ tonight the time to repent will be no more the time to turn to Christ will be no more the time to seek the Lord Jesus will be no more when this sentence is passed your day of opportunity your day of grace will be passed and tonight on the last day of another year in your life a great portion of your life gone past past forever irrevocably lost you can't bring it back again it's gone now and tonight the Lord Jesus Christ he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks and he says behold I stand at the door and knock and if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come in and sup with him and he with me while the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart on the last evening on the last evening of another year of your life a great portion of your life which has gone past he has knocked before and he's knocking tonight oh may God grant that when if we're spared to midnight tonight if you're spared to, to see the beginning of another year that these words may ring in your heart and in your conscience in your mind that time shall be no longer that eternity is looming before each one of us time shall be no longer but what a glorious moment it will be for the believer Paul said for me to live is Christ and to die is gain 
It's sadness in this side of the world. Believe an empty place. Believe sore hearts. Believe broken hearts behind. But for the believer, that moment is going to be the beginning of the glorious eternity that is ahead of them forever and ever and ever with Christ. May God grant that when this sentence is passed against each one of us, that we may be found in Christ. Let us pray. Ever gracious one, we pray that thou would grant us wisdom from above, for we know that we are so apt to be deluded concerning the time which thou hast given to us. We pray for grace not to procrastinate, but that thou would bless each one of us now and forgive our sins and forgive anything which was said which was contrary to thy word or to thy will and remember us now we pray as a congregation and go before us in all that is ahead we ask it all for Christ's sake Amen